Welcome to the Lee Schools TV podcast for September. I'm Rob Spicker, Assistant Director in the Communications Department, and I'm really glad you're able to join us for this month's edition. Student enrollment, better known as school choice among our parents, has been a hot topic in the school district of Lee County for many years now. You know, for many families, the lottery system works. They get the school of their choice, but there are other families who do not, and they wonder why. Or we have families that move into the district and wonder why they cannot go to a school that is so close to their home, and they've been assigned to one that's a little bit farther away. Well, Superintendent Dr. Christopher Mayer, he's holding a series of town hall meetings this month that in part focus on this very topic. So Dr. Adam Alloy, he is the coordinator in the superintendent's office, the project lead on what we call proximity, and he is our guest this, uh, this month. Dr. Malloy, we thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me and also proximity uh, to engage with our community. Let's lay the groundwork with school choice as it exists now. So for anybody that's not familiar how this process is working, you're entering kindergarten, sixth grade, or moving up into ninth grade, talk about the process. Yeah, so this is a system that's been in place roughly for about uh, 17 years, okay? And you're dealing with a large number of choices, especially at the elementary level. Uh, we break up our district into uh, subzones, okay? There's about three subzones in every west, south, or east zone. Uh, and you rank the schools in your subzone and your adjacent subzone. So I'll give you an example. So if you live in east zone two, you will rank this, the elementary schools in East Zone 1, 2, and 3, and that, that gives you 17 choices. We are also providing transportation to all of those assignments. Uh, so I would call it one of the more uh, liberal uh, choice policies in the entire district, uh, probably matches uh, our 64th least efficient transportation mark in the state, uh, but we are providing transportation to every single one of those assignments within our current system. Right. I live at East Zone 2, so I know those 17 choices having had to make them, and it's difficult at a certain point as a parent. You may have a few that you're familiar with, but down the list, you're, you don't know those schools. Yeah, yeah, I think you feel a, a sense of guilt. So I had two, I had two of my children, you know, and I, I, I live in South Zone 1, and ranking the schools in South Zone 1 and 2, knowing that those elementary schools were all great, but then having to rank, uh, you know, 8, 9, 10 uh, in terms of your preference, I'm just not sure if that's a system for us right now in, in 2022. And there is a reason, a purpose behind us having this lottery. Yeah, I think choice, uh, you know, it really emerged at that turn, uh, for, our, for our school district when we were able to gain unitary status, which means we were removed from the federal court order. Uh, choice really was established uh, to be, I guess, general at a 50,000 uh, student seat uh, level, right? And we're currently at 103, not to mention all of the new schools that we've added on. Um, and while choice was designed to facilitate uh, a student distribution as it relates to a large number of goals in our plan, it really hasn't met those goals. So while choice will always remain per Florida law and per what the community wants uh, in our certain pathways to this new plan, um, we have to be a little bit more mindful about choice in transportation. So let's um, talk about um, what we may be looking at. Uh, so for elementary and middle schools, this is the idea right now, looking at those two levels. When we talk about proximity, um, what does that mean? Uh, what does that change school assignment? In what ways? So really, first, let me just, before we even get into any of these pathways, which are currently being worked on by teams, is we, we have to be able to do this with the community, right? If we, do, if we do not properly engage the community, and if they're not 
if we're not responding to their feedback, uh, we're not doing this the right way. Uh, so the superintendent, as you mentioned, is doing a number of town halls. This is a part of his project focus. It's about meeting him, but then also seeing his vision, his entry plan, and then his project focus on proximity, right? But we also have a proximity team, a technical team that will be going out, right? Working with stakeholders, creating a task force, and then presenting some pathways forward. What we do know is that we would like to do a better job of getting kids to school on time. Uh, we would like to do a better job uh, with transportation, right? A lot of, we, we hear a lot of constituent feedback about transportation time, uh, bus ride time, buses being two hours late. Uh, talked to a, a constituent this morning. Uh, my child is still on the bus and they were picked up at 5.30 in the morning. And while that's a symptom of our system, right? We have to work with the community uh, to develop a way in which we can better address uh, some of, you know, some of those issues that we're starting to see. Right. So proximity based is going to shrink the choices. Yeah, it's going to be a, a lot more strategic, uh, not just in terms of the choices being closer to your community, but also what we're able to do as a district in terms of transportation, right? In the, in the, in the state of Florida, uh, we, will, we will always allow for parents to choose a school based on capacity, right? That, that's law, but we may not be able to provide transportation. So, you know, there are some considerations, uh, whether it's, you know, one address, one school with uh, some, some choices after, uh, you know, we really want to hear from the community. Well, what exactly do you, how do you, how exactly do you envision uh, your choice and then what the district can do in terms of, of transportation? You know, we can provide transportation. We have to, we have to be able to say we can provide transportation to an extent. Right. So the, the superintendent, as part of his kind of, um, you know, getting within the system, uh, we boarded a bus uh, right next to Ida Baker. I want to say right around 545 a.m. Right. We passed uh, three other high schools to get to North Fort Myers High at that exact stop that he was being picked up. There were three other buses for high schools. <laughs> right. And that's uh, that is a symptom of a larger system issue. Yep. Yeah. So if we if we do some consolidating and transportation being at the head of that, there really could be some cost savings along with the benefit of shorter rides, better on time performance, not a need for less drivers than we currently have budgeted for. So we don't have this shortage. So we could potentially see a lot of benefits to assigning students to a school closer to their home. Yeah, by being strategic. And, and I mean, I know that sometimes boundaries or neighborhood schools gets thrown around as if it's a, a negative term in our in our area, given the history. Um, I think we need to be, I think we need to be cognizant of the fact uh, that, you know, we have to do a better job of connecting our, our community uh, and, you know, and our students. Um, you know, that's something that that we know is is research backed is that if we can connect our communities and our schools and really rally around those, then we can do a better job of, you know, of supporting our students. Uh, you mentioned cost savings. Uh, so cost savings is really just one of a many uh, of many kind of, I, I would say, outcomes of going strategically smaller. Right. And then having considerations around transportation, uh, cost savings is one. But then if you think about uh, what that will allow us to do in terms of tiering the transportation system. Right. We can start to even take a look at maybe additional instructional time. Right. We're all about the kids in the classroom. Every every decision that we make has to be able to support the classroom. If we can get an extra 30 minutes in our in our in our day because of fixing transportation uh, or fixing the student assignment plan, that's a win for us. Um, not to mention, you know, that you also have uh, the ability to pump cost savings back into the schools. 
You know, we did, we, we've been, we've been kind of fluctuating on an estimate. Uh, we know that we're the 64th uh, out of 67 counties, least efficient in terms of transportation. If we're even able to move the needle uh, and make ourselves, um, you know, in that forties to fifties range, I mean, we're dealing with millions of dollars, you know, each year. Right. So the benefits are there. And even more probably on top of the few that you've mentioned. Yeah, the benefits are there. And, you know, we have done a lot of work over the past two years, uh, talking with the community, uh, working with our teams, uh, getting the maps, uh, potential maps, potential choice maps, uh, you know, potential boundary maps. It's all there. Uh, but we can't go anywhere without the community going with us. And I think that the community, uh, from what I've seen in terms of emails, phone calls, our first town hall uh, that, we, you know, that we've had, um, from what I've seen, there is um, a strong support for, you know, not just bringing common sense into student assignment, but also just uh, just being a bit more strategic with how we're assigning kids and then transporting them. One, one benefit that we didn't even mention uh, is that a lot of times, so we had about 6,000 uh, new student enrollees to the school district of Lee County since June, right? Wow. That means that they are outside of the open enrollment process. They're not actually participating in our choice system. They're getting assigned whatever school has seats within their zone and we're providing transportation. So they could live across the street from a school and be bused, right, mm -hmm. 20 miles away yep. because they're not actually participating in the system. So if we can be a little bit more strategic um, with how we're operating open enrollment and assignment and then choice second, uh, we may be able to, we may be able to get some pathways forward, I think. So there was a presentation to the school board about this with some uh, some of the things that had to be considered, some of the, um, if you will, the, the, the just the considerations of what this system may mean. And one of those is going to be boundaries. If we're going to shrink the boundaries, how do we decide what boundaries? What are those considerations? Yeah, so the considerations really uh, are built around capacity, uh, geographic, um, you know, whether it's roads, rivers, geographic areas, uh, but also the student demographic that makes up those those students that would then be in that new, whether it's a smaller zone with three or four choices or whether it's a small boundary with one school. Um, you know, we're taking a look at every single level uh, to keep history really as our guide, um, you know, the term resegregation gets brought up. Uh, our schools have already become re-isolated, uh, you know, since, uh, you know, since really the implementation of the choice program. So what we're, what we're being conscious of is what our student demographics will look like. And we're running models on what our, what our schools will then look like uh, by achievement level, socioeconomic level, ELL, ESE status. We're really trying to understand, and I think technology has been great with this. We're really trying to understand uh, what these different models will look like um, in terms of the distribution of students. Uh, and boundaries, you know, one address, one school, gives us a great deal of control, right, of who's populating that school. You know, smaller choice and smaller boundaries gives us a great deal of control, right, more than what we have. Uh, so the superintendent likes to talk about, you know, kind of like a, a wall of post-it notes. On the left side, you've got the least restrictive, which is our current system. On the right side, you have the most restrictive, and we want to see where the community is on that spectrum of considerations, whether it's, you know, somewhere in the middle or whether it's somewhere, you know, just kind of being assigned to your, your, your school by address, right? We need to know where they are. Um, you did mention, you know, some of the, I would call them areas of opportunity for us for engagement. Uh, you know, anytime you're making a change, you know, this, of this size, uh, you're going to be disrupting uh, mm -hmm. assignment. And I think that, uh, I think for us to be very upfront 
that if we're going to go from our our least restrictive to anywhere on the you know on the on the restrictive side, right. you're going to be displacing students. Right. And I, so we understand that how that could change that that assignments. Another one of those considerations we talked a lot already about transportation, but that's a consideration too into this process of who may get a bus after there's a new zone system and who may not. Yeah, and you know, Rob, I, I think it's uh, you know transportation gets a it gets a lot of heat. It really does. But when you see how our system functions. Uh, and you go to a neighborhood, right? We can we can kind of geo draw on GIS. We can draw around a neighborhood, and we can see how many buses are actually going to that neighborhood at the same level. Um, I think the most that I've seen is twelve different elementary schools from a less than half mile by half mile. Hmm. Wow! I, I mean that that to me is uh, you know that's that's one of those kind of like you know, worst case, uh, you know, type scenarios with, uh, with how, how open uh, our choice system is. Um, and I'm not trying to, you know, not trying to criticize, you know, choice at all. Uh, I, I think that choice is very important. But in terms of providing transportation, the district has to be a little bit more mindful uh, about what, uh, what level of transportation can be provided. You know, and maybe we hear back from the community, yeah, we'd like to continue on uh, down this road, uh, but that comes also with, with consequences, you know, whether it's not getting to school on time or, or buses running two hours late each day. Right, right. And there's always going to be a disruption, as you mentioned. Some students would no longer necessarily or be in the zone for the school that they're attending. So you've got to talk about grandfathering and, and have that be part of the conversation for more of a proximity-based community community-based school assignment. Yeah. And when we went out to, um, when we went out to the community in, in 2021, you know, that was the big uh, feedback that we heard was, you know, we would like, uh, the constituents would like us to honor, uh, their, their choice in the current system. Right. And so that is a huge consideration as we move forward. Uh, one thing that we were always kind of, uh, you know, thinking about was whether or not we could provide transportation in those situations. Uh, so we're developing um, hypothetical models of like how you could elect to stay, but then trans then give up transportation. You know, we're developing all of those, you know, in hopes that once we go out to the community again and we're looking at that task force and some of the options that they're selecting, um, we're, we're really we're really hoping to to honor what the parent wants to do, but then also being considerate of what we can do from a transportation side. Yeah, the superintendent, his staff, they really are genuine in the fact that they want to hear from our parents on this subject. That's why he's got the town hall scheduled as we speak, had the first with two more coming up. Can you just kind of go over the when and where of the next couple? Yeah, so next Thursday, uh, we are September 8th, we're at San Carlos. September 15th, we're at Tortuga. Uh, right at the conclusion, Tortuga Preserve, sorry, elementary. Right after the conclusion, we'll do another round of three uh, in each one of the zones. And that one will get a little bit more in depth with our proximity team. And from there, we'll generate a task force, which will start to develop some of those options to go back out to the community. Uh, but the feedback that we heard last night was really uh, concerns about, you know, transportation time. Yeah. All right. What's the timeline? This could really be an accelerated process where we're looking at changes as students and families make choices in January, potentially. So we are looking at a potentially uh, a pause uh, or a slight modification of open enrollment, uh, depending on the level that we per pursue. Uh, but we are looking for something to be in place by 2023, 2024. 
uh, which is which is next school year. So this is a condensed timeline, but I would like to remind everybody that we did go out last year about a hundred different community presentations, almost every elementary PTA um, or or school meeting, uh, and I think people are aware of the project. But we need to be a little bit more defined about the policy options and then where the community would like us to pursue uh, for transportation grandfathering and then the size of these zones. Right, and the focus is elementary and middle schools. Correct. So I asked the question just because, what about high schools? Somebody may want to bring it up. Are they a consideration for changing the way those high schools are assigned? So high schools and, you know, really middle school, we didn't do, a, um, we didn't do as, as, as high of an impact in terms of community engagement uh, as we did with elementary. Uh, but middle schools, you know, we were able to, to take a look at some of the maps um, and see where, see where we're going in that direction. High school, based on uh, not just the numbers of, of kids that are transported to high school, uh, but in terms of the, um, you know, how specialized the application programs have become. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's not a consideration right now on the table. Uh, and I think that what we'll hear from the community is where they are as it relates to middle school as well. You know, if they are, you know, if they really just want to focus on those 47 uh, or um, 44 traditional elementary schools, then we can focus there as well. Um, but yeah, middle school and high school based on, on how magnetized they are. Uh, middle school, I do think it would be easier, especially if you're talking about grandfathering. Mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely something that you can set up. And then, you know, high schools, there's only 15 of them. Uh, and if you break that down by three zones, you're dealing with between five and six high schools uh, in every zone. Um, you know, it's just not as not as many schools. Right. And I think that the feedback, a lot of the feedback we get is that our parents like the way the high school system is set up because they each have individual programs. They have their academies. You really can, as a high school student, choose your path. Yeah. Yeah. And they have, uh, you know, whether it's career uh, or, or college, you know, programs or both, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they have... Um, they have generated a, you know, a huge amount of um, interest and pull. And, uh, you know, I think that that's just not an area that we're, we're, we're willing to touch right now. So aside from these town halls that are in September, and you just mentioned a few more coming after that, are there other ways that we can get involved as parents uh, to put in our opinion, let our thoughts be known? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so uh, the proximity email from, you know, from, from a few years back is still, still going on proximity plan at leeschools.net. Uh, you can always send us an email. There's a survey that will be going live uh, following the town halls. Uh, and then there will be even more specific policy direction uh, feedback opportunities as we get through that second round of proximity-focused community engagement in October. Uh, the goal from, going back to your timeline question, the goal is that we have some level of briefing uh, to the board in November. Uh, but based on our where we are with the community and our options, by January, right, we have a recommendation from our community task force, mm -hmm. right, our district task force, and we have the generation of perhaps a new student assignment plan for the following school year. Wow. All right. Is there anything else you think we should know, be considering, be aware of as this conversation happens in the school district, but also out in public? I think that the um, I think that with, you know, proximity and changing the student assignment plan, uh, you're going to be dealing with some difficult issues because, you know, you're, you're changing a system that has been in place and is familiar to parents and community members, right? I think what we have to keep in mind is we can do a lot better as it relates to our families and setting our schools up for success uh, in, in addressing strategically uh, the student assignment plan. I would... Um, I would request uh, and just ask of the community to do it to do this with us, right? 
Uh, and, you know, we know that we cannot, uh, you know, you, you hear that cliche, you can't please everyone. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is make sure that that connection is there and that if they do want to provide feedback, we are willing to listen, right? We are willing to hear you uh, and then respond uh, to what your concern is. And I think, um, yeah, I think as a school district, especially one of our size, uh, I think as being one of the largest school districts, not just in the state, but in the nation, right? And then comparing our student assignment plan, which is very unique mm -hmm. among all of those school districts. Uh, this is something that we should be taking care of uh, as leaders, as school leaders, uh, to better, not just better set up our schools and students for success, but to better set up our community and its school district for success. Sound, I hear you. Uh, what I'm hearing a lot of is we've just reached a point where it's almost not manageable anymore because we are so much bigger than we used to be. And we know we're going to continue to get bigger as a school district. I mean, think about Rob, if you have rolling yellow outs, right? So if you have rolling uh, areas where you can't provide transportation, right? We're, we're, we're starting to look at a tipping point in turn. I mean, any kid late to school from a bus is a harm, right? Mm -hmm. Cause that's a miss that's misinstructional time. Yep. Okay. And we're experiencing that each and every day. By the, you know, I think the latest number was, and it's not every, it's not the same kid, but it's around 2,000 students a day are late to school. Um, that's missed instructional time. Yeah. So we can do better and we want to do better, but we want to do it in conjunction with the community. Well, thank you, Dr. Malloy, for kind of walking us through that for the community. Remember, September 8th, San Carlos Park Elementary, 530. September 15th is Tortuga Preserve Elementary, also beginning at 530, and then more of these meetings to come. Absolutely. We're going to do this together. Yes. All right, Dr. Malloy, thanks so much for joining us for the September edition of the Lee Schools TV podcast and kind of walk us through what's happening this month with uh, proximity. To those of you who've joined us, keep up with the school district on social media and through School Messenger, the emails that we send out important information will be placed there and on our website so that you're always aware of where these meetings are when the next plans are we want you to be a part of the process thanks for joining us and i hope you'll see us again for the next edition of the lee schools tv podcast